Amen, amen, amen. Well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. God bless you all this morning. Thank God for you this morning, joining us this morning. I am Pastor Lester Hayes here with my lovely wife, Pastor Sharon. Amen. We greet all of you this morning in the awesome, incredible, amazing name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the true and the living God, the risen Savior this morning, the King of kings who sits on the throne, seated there with the Father this morning, the Lord of lords, angels bowing before him. Amen. Elders casting their crowns at his feet this morning, and tens and thousands of angels are bowing this morning and worshiping him this morning. Amen. And so we join in with the angels this morning, and we sing glory, hallelujah, to the Lamb of God this morning. Amen. He's not dead. He's alive. You ask me how I know. I know because he lives inside of each and every one of us this morning. And so we just come this morning so stirred up this morning, so encouraged this morning. Another opportunity this morning. Amen. To come before the Lord this morning and share. Amen. And pray this morning. Amen. Knowing that he sits there in the heavens and he hears our prayers. He answers them and shows us great and mighty things. The Bible said that thou knowest not in the book of Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3. King James Bible. So we give God praise for the knowledge that we have received. We give him praise for the vision that he has given us. It's a God-given vision that we can see the end of a thing at the beginning of a thing because we have Genesis to Revelation to be able to help adjust our vision, adjust our sight so we know where we're going. We're on our way to heaven. Don't you want to go? Amen. And God has given us the roadmap. He's given us the pathway. Jesus is that way. Amen. Jesus is that life to be lived to get us there. Amen. And he is the truth about it. Amen. It's going to end the way he planned it because he is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And we just have to learn how to endure to the end. Amen. That we might be saved, working out our own salvation with fear and trembling and trying to help others. Amen. To see the light, to come into the light as we shine the light before them of the gospel. Amen. He says, arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen up on thee so that others might see your good works and they too will glorify our Father which is in heaven. So we just want to welcome you this morning. Amen. This is Thursday morning, April the 15th. Amen. 2021. We just give God praise. We give him glory. We give him honor this morning. We're going to be coming at you this morning out of the book of John, chapter 13. We finished up chapter 12. Amen. And now we are, amen, transitioning. We dealt with unbelievers and believers and secret believers. We dealt with betrayal. We've dealt with a whole lot of things that Jesus has dealt with things. Probably some things that we did not know he had really dealt with as he made his way to the Passover feast. Amen. And you would think, man, he would take a break and chill out. But, man, he worked all the way till his hour had come. And then he finished the work on the cross. And it wasn't until he gave up the ghost and said it's finished, that it was finished and the price was fully paid. And so we're going to take a look this morning. Amen. At a few verses in the book of John chapter 13. Amen. Starting at verse one. But let's just pray this morning. Abba, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is your kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so like we said, we just thank the Lord this morning for another opportunity to share with you and to pray with you and just commune and, and with the spirit in the spirit this morning and have fellowship with the saints this morning amen with respect to all of us being in various places 
We welcome our very own pastors this morning who are with us this morning, Pastor Eric, Pastor Phoebe this morning, and our ministers hopefully this morning, and many, many of you. I know Sister Margaret was on earlier. Pastor Sharon is here with me this morning. And so we just thank the Lord this morning that it's at least two or three of us. So we know the Lord is already in the midst of us. Amen. <clears throat> and we welcome his presence this morning. Can't do anything without his presence this morning, without his help this morning, and his enabling us to be able to talk about him in such a way that we are actually revealing the revelations of Jesus Christ because we're borrowing from the scripture, from the text that have already been provided, that we might know that he is the son of God and that we may have eternal life through knowing these revelations, these unveilings, these revealings. Amen. These are not our words. These are his words. Amen. And we want our tongues to be tongues of the learned because we share what we have learned. Amen. And nothing more and nothing less. Amen. Because that's where the power is at. It's in what he taught. It's in what he said. It's in what he demonstrated. And if we do what he did, we get the same results that he did. And he said, greater than that are you going to do. Amen. Because we have Emmanuel, God, with us, the Holy Ghost. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we don't have to worry about a thing. We plant what God has given us to, to plant. And we water what God has given us to water. We don't try to figure out which one we're doing. But we just know in the end, God will give increase because he's a God of increase. Amen. He gives increase. So we want to begin this morning talking to you this morning from a subject, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the great minister and his legacy, cleansing and washing, and the betrayal by one of his disciples. And that's in the book of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. King James Bible is what I'm going to try to focus on this morning. Uh, there are 38 verses in this chapter, but I'm going to try to do these. And if I don't, this is a very powerful chapter here. All of them are, ch are powerful, but I, I just seem like I just got bogged down in this one because God was just so revealing so much. I know <clears throat> Pastor Eric and Pastor Phoebe have, have taught this, <clears throat> but I'm just going to do what God told me to do. I was going to skip over and go to to, to, to another part but the lord said no you do what i told you to do amen and so that's what i'm going to do he told me back whenever to teach the revelation to jesus christ not to skip over anything not to get in a hurry of anything don't care how many times it's been taught he said you teach what i told you to teach amen that's what i told you to do that's what i demand that you command that you do and so that's what i'm going to do regardless of how many other people have taught this i got to teach what god told me to teach and i got to teach it the way he told me to teach it and a lot of you know how i teach i teach the who's okay the what's the the, the the it's whatever they're dealing with you know i try to give a little historical a pretext to it and then i always love the results the outcomes and if there's consequences you know i like to deal with the warnings i like to deal with the lessons that there's some warnings in here or there's some things that we need to adhere to in here amen and try to keep everything in context amen and so let's deal with that revelation this morning about jesus christ uh, this scripture text happens to be the lord's communication to his disciples before he returned to his father uh, before the Passover feast, just a little bit before, before his crucifixion and death, his burial and his resurrection took place. We see the Lord's prayer to his father in this particular uh, chapter here. Uh, this was all done as a demonstration of Jesus's royal service. His service had been royal. It had been supreme. It had been like no other service to the father. It honored the father. It pleased the father. Amen. But it did not come without some suffering. It did not come without some pain. It did not come without some disappointment, some, some letdown. Amen. But that's okay. Jesus counted all of it joy because he knew that his meat was to do the will of him that sent him. He knew he was sent from the father. And to 
his father and to them in the crowd all is in preparation for the Passover feast just a day away. You know, he knew this. He knew it was urgent that he can finish the work that he started, that he was given to finish. So this was the preparation day. So we'll call this day the preparation day. Uh, it was the 14th day of Nisan. That's the Hebrew and the Jewish calendar, uh, meaning in American calendar somewhere in March or April. We, we want to say April, amen, because that's what fits into our understanding of our calendar. But under their calendar, their system, days were broken down just a little bit different. So uh, the context here is really looking back then on their calendar was the 14th day of what we call Nisan. And if you want to know what that word means in the, in the, in the in the Jewish language, it meant somewhere between March and April. And we like to say April because that's when we celebrate what we call Easter or Resurrection Sunday or the Passover, which we just celebrated. Uh, it was the Tuesday sunset when all this was going on. They were sitting down for supper. They had put, prepared everything. They were ready to break bread and drink wine and have that last supper, that last chance for anyone to repent amen to hear jesus being live and with them it was sunset of on tuesday which lasted until wednesday sunset of the crucifixion and so it started there but it didn't end until the next day at sunset now to them that was a full day that was a full day from sunset to sunset that's how they measured the day in those days and, and this is all covered in the book of john chapter 13, and again, I'm focusing on verses 1 through 17, the King James Bible. You also see this same episode taking place in the book of Matthew's gospel, chapter 26, verse 20 through 24, the King James Bible. Again, in the book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 14 through 17, the King James Bible. And finally, in the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 14 and verse 21, 23, the King James Bible. And so let me just read what it says there in Matthew to give some more context. It says, now... When the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. Mm, mm, mm. The son of man goeth as it is written of him. You, no matter how you betray me, what you do, rebel against me, reject me, don't accept me. I'm going to still go by what's written in the book, in the prophets, in the law about me. Amen. But woe unto that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. That would have been enough right there for me, man. I just started saying, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry for even thinking about betraying you. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. My God, that's, that, that was a convicting statement right there. But it did not penetrate because Satan had already, the devil had already entered into Judah. You know, and he's sitting at the table going through the motions, got that form of God, but denying the power thereof because you got another voice, you know, speaking to you. Amen. Controlling you as you sat there with the with the with the with the, with the rest of the disciples in Jesus. Amen. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, now you check this out. This is a bold nerd. This dude got nerd. Master, is it I? My God. He said unto him, thou hast said. 
You know, you don't point the finger at your own self, so don't blame me. You, you don't call your own self out. That's how dumb the, the devil is. That's how dumb the devil is. He has exposed himself every time. Amen. Amen. Whether he be in a believer or used to be a believer, whether he be in somebody, it doesn't matter. If you just listen, the words, their very own words will condemn them. Jesus knew this before he ever asked him that. He knew, you know, because he knew the thoughts afar. He, he knows everything. Amen. That's in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 20, amen, through 25, the King James Bible. Then again, like I said, in the book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 14, 18, the King James Bible says this. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house, the master saith, where is the guest chamber? Where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. So this is the last chance, Judah. This is the last meal, the last opportunity with Jesus physically being with them. Now, he instituted already that as often as you eat in the future, do this in remembrance to me when you come together to celebrate this Passover meal. And he will show you a large upper room. We know about the upper room furnished and prepared. They had been there before. This is the, one of the meeting places for them. Amen. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and come into the city and found as he had said unto them, being all knowing, he already knew, you know, the place they wanted to eat that last meal. And they made ready the Passover, special time, special meal, you know, just a few hours away. And in the evening, remember we talked about the evening, the sunset. So, you know, it's evening here. He cometh with the twelve. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. There it is again in, in Mark's account. And, and now I'm going to go to Luke chapter 22, verse 14, and verses 21 through 23 of the King James Bible. He says, and when the hour was come, and this is where we at, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. You know, he loved them. He sat down with them. They knew what time it was. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me, that word is again, that betrayeth me is with me on the table, sitting around there with that smile on your face, lying through your teeth, amen, hypocrite, you know, apostate, you know, and truly the son of man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. There's another chance, Judah, and they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And I believe Judah was in that conversation. I believe he played it right on off. You know, that, see, that's the enemy. You know, he knows how to duplicate. He knows how to fake it to make it. He knows how to appear to be a light, but he's not the true light. You know, he, you know, he can take the truth and spin it. Surely he didn't say that. Did you hear that? I wonder who he was talking to. He can fit right in because, see, he knows, he knows how to play that role. He knows. He knows. And so we, we see these episodes right here. How does Jesus spend his last hour that had come? Just before his glorification, in communication with his disciples and addressing the, ver the diverse crowd that had gathered for the Passover feast. That's how he spent his last, man, I'd have been somewhere, man, praying and don't want to go through this, you know, still trying to figure out a way to get out of it. But remember, Jesus said, I got to fulfill what is written about me. I, I got to so that the, the, the scripture that the prophets prophesied can be fulfilled. I ain't come this far to lead now, to stop now. Your salvation is hanging in the balance. I got to pay this price. I got to satisfy the reputation of my father. This 
saying about you. This is about him. I came in the volume of the book, amen, to do the will of him that sent me. But did he have a special treat for them? Yes, he did. Starting with his disciples cleansing and washing of the feet, signifying that if you're going to serve me in the future, you're going to have to be washed and you're going to have to be clean that you don't walk in an evil way, in a corrupt way. Uh, it began, he began to wash their feet and all of this. Jesus acted out a parable for the disciples. They had, they had customarily known about how to treat guests by washing their feet, especially at supper time and even sometimes after supper. Just was a customary thing. And Jesus, remember, is fulfilling the law. He's not trying to replace it. He didn't want them to be worrying about, man, he did, he did not wash his our feet. He did not do what we, what we normally do when we sit down and eat and break bread. Everything had been prepared. The meal had been laid out. The table was set. And then Jesus moves away from eating right now and does what's customary. He washed their feet. Okay? Even before they ate, he gave thanks. So all these were customs that Jesus was not going to violate because he knew, man, every eye in there was on him looking for any little thing for him to do wrong. You ever had people that like that, man, they pick out every little thing, you know, that little, you know, the Bible said they look at that little splinter in your eye and ignore the two by four in their own eye. It's so critical. So Jesus knew he had a bunch of critics, man, that was sitting at the table. He knew, he knew, man, that I got to be on my P's and Q's. I cannot violate any of their law. I got to, I got to do everything just like their customary their habit of doing it because that's not my focus. My focus is, to, is, is sunset wins and when I'm on that cross that's my focus and i need to be focused so i can't i can't be worrying about nothing else i can't handle nobody telling me well you didn't watch the couple you didn't get that you didn't do this or you didn't do what we normally do so jesus wanted to counsel all that before it ever became an issue amen jesus knew his corresponding action would speak louder and have more of a profound impact on the crowd that just than just his words amen he had to have some corresponding there's a message right there you know don't say stuff if you're not gonna live it you know, mm -hmm. everything Jesus said, he lived it, he demonstrated because it wasn't about the enticing words of the excellency of speech. But at this point, it was truly about a demonstration of the spirit and power mm -hmm. of God, which Paul would, would teach to the Corinthian church over in the book, second book of Corinthians, the second chapter. So when he wanted to teach the proud, the diverse crowd, uh, his uh, arguing disciples about true humility and servitude. He didn't just say enticing words of excellency of speech or the wisdom of men from the wisdom of men. No, he showed them through his corresponding action. He showed it in a way that illustrated his whole work on behalf of his own claims that he had been making all along. Prophets had made about him. John had made about him when he wrote about him. These things are written that you might believe that I'm the son of God. You know, chapter 20, verse 31, that through me you might have eternal life. These were claims and, and those that had been made of his father who sent him to earth in the first place, according to some renowned biblical scholars. Now, look at this. I was reading some of the scholars and what they said about this particular uh uh, episode here and it says some, uh, and I thought this was interesting so I'm going to share a few of them with this. It says Jesus rose from supper, a place of rest and comfort. You know, he rose. Jesus rose from his throne in heaven, a place of rest and comfort and came down here. So you see Jesus is always rising from something to do something else. Jesus rose, or uh, Jesus laid aside his garments, taking off his covering, 
Okay. Jesus took a tower and girded himself, being ready to work. All these things are signifying something about Jesus. Every move, every action, every corresponding action. They got their eyes on him. They notice in every detail of every step that he's taking because it's ministering to them. Amen. He Jesus took a form of a servant and came ready to work. He didn't come to serve to be served, but he came to serve. He was ready to work. Jesus poured water into a basin, ready to clean them. Hey, man, they watching him. Jesus poured out his blood to cleanse us from the guilt and the penalty of sin, which was going to happen in just a few hours from that point right there. Jesus sat down again. Okay, if you look in the book of John, chapter 13, verse 12, the King James Bible, it says, after washing their feet, Jesus sat down at the right hand of God the Father after cleansing them as he's cleaning us. Every time he cleansed one of us, he had to get up, you know, then he sits back down of our sins and unrighteousness. If you remember, just like Stephen, the Bible says that when one soul gets saved, the angels in heaven rejoice. They have, I believe they stand up and begin to rejoice. I don't believe Jesus sit there on the throne. Man. I believe he gets excited and he turns to the Father and say, my God, another soul just got saved. God is still working. It's still drawing them. What I did back then is working right now today. It's going to work tomorrow, Father. They're still being saved off of my finished work on the cross. My God, it wasn't in vain. My God, the God, I thank you, Father, for, 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 for allowing me to satisfy the propitiation that you had, paying the price for them. Father, I'm so glad I drank that bitter cup. The men and women are being saved right now. I don't believe Jesus just sit there idle on the throne. You know, I believe he still gets up like he did with Stephen over in the book of Acts, the seventh chapter. When one soul gets saved, something happens in heaven. And, and, and that scripture says, so after he had washed their feet and, and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you. It's going to last throughout eternity. You're never going to have to worry about it again. This price is going to be paid by tomorrow's sunset. You know, you will have a way. For Jesus' disciples, the hour come, time for his glorification. We will take a closer look at Jesus' communication to his disciples. We will take it take an in-depth look into the cleansing and washing that is explained in the scripture text. Cleansing and washing is not just limited to the physical aspects of the ministry of foot washing, which is a customary ministry, as we see the hour for Jesus's departure had come. Now, I did a whole study on foot washing. I ain't got time to get into the, 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 the health benefits of foot washing. I was, I was amazed at why that was such an important custom. Amen. And it was beginning to give me details of how you're supposed to wash the feet. You know, sometimes you hear, you know, just in the abstract foot washing, people just start thinking about throwing soap on the feet. It's a certain way they wash them feet, you know, because it had a health benefit. And so I ain't going to get into that today, but we'll just know that that was the ministry instituted of foot washing and Jesus kept it customary. As we see the hour for Jesus' departure had come, the hour come, uh, amen. And so we see a transition taking place here. Though the father had given him still speaking truth and love without compromise to, uh, to your word, Lord, in the book of Ephesians chapter four, verse 15, the King James Bible, Jesus is still doing what the word said, do he never went outside of the commandments of God. Mm -hmm. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro mm -hmm. and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craft. Whereby they lie in wait to deceive. 
but speaking the truth in love. That's what Jesus is doing. May grow up in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. See, Judas is a part of this, but it just ain't working in him like it is the rest of the parts. Make it increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. There was a, there was a, there was a disruption there, mm -hmm. you know, and it had to be dealt with. And that's why Jesus said, whatever you're going to do, do it now. Because he did not want, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the Passover to be uh, hindered, to be stopped, you know, to be held up. So he went ahead on and released him to do whatever you're going to do because Satan had already entered in. OK. And Jesus knew that from this point right here, we can no longer walk together except we agree. And if there's no agreement in here, I got to give you a way out. I got to give you a chance to be with us. So you can still supply your part to the body that the body may edify itself in love. But at the same time, I got to give you an exit strategy, too. That's right. You know, so, so he, he already knew. And I think I love that about God, man. He said, hey, whatever you're going to do, go ahead and do it. You know, he has given us choice. He's given us choice. He's not going to take that choice away from us. Not even with his own very close disciples, ones who ate with him. He loved them. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk as being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feelings have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to walk to work or to work all uncleanliness and greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, Judah, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, Judah, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, like the other 11 disciples that are sitting here with you, Judah, take note, wherefore putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor. You've been going along, going through the motions, lying, hypocritical up here at the table, apostate all up in your spirit, for we are members one of another. We got you, Judah. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil who had already entered into his thoughts. And that's in the book of Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 14 to 27, the King James Bible. See, Paul picked this up as he's ministering to the church in Ephesus. Amen. But we also see the same thing unfolding back there as Jesus is preparing at sunset for the Passover, which was going to happen between that sunset and sunset Wednesday. Uh, it is sunset of the day of preparation. And also it is Judas's Iscariot's last chance to change his mind. Amen. A betrayer who would eat with him and them and then rush out quickly and betray him for 30 pieces of silver what some people won't do for money. In this case, blood money. So what is blood money? Christ Christianity defines blood money as this. In the Christian Bible, the term is used to refer to the 30 pieces of silver that Judas Iscariot received in exchange for revealing the identity of Jesus to the forces sent by the Pharisees and of the Sanhedrin council, the high priest them. In the King James Version of the Bible, it is translated as, and the thief and the chief priest took silver pieces and said, it is not lawful 
for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood to put them into the treasury since it is the price of blood. And that's in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse seven, the King James Bible. So you see, the scripture got an answer for everything. That's why I love to study the word. Sometimes you got to stop and pause and say, well, what is that about? You know, and I knew that I had a recollection about that money, that silver, why he hated it so. Because they called it blood money when he tried to give it back. Okay. And it was because of the blood of Jesus, the innocent blood of Jesus. He is speaking in love to his disciples without compromise because Jesus knew that Judas Iscariot is listening from the ranks of his disciples to every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Jesus Christ knew that that what spirit he was up against and dealing with even at the end of his life. That evil spirit of betrayal, misunderstanding, still misinterpretation in the diverse crowd, misrepresentation right there at the table, apostasy working right there in his midst, heresies working, rebellious betrayal by one of his very own was on display. Even so, he still washed his feet. My God, what a powerful message of love. Loved him to the end of his life without any compromise on Jesus's part. John here exposes the traitor throughout the text. Judas Iscariot was without a vision or a clue of his fate and consequences for his betrayal. In John's text, the betrayal, his knowledge or lack thereof is very obvious. Washing of their feet was to be symbolic of a spiritual cleansing, which Judah lacked on the inside. He showed it on the outside, but he did not have it on the inside. So it wasn't in his heart to do what was right. Even though all of his outward appearance, it appeared to be a form of I'm, I'm on board with y'all. I'm one of y'all of the heart, the body, the soul, the spirit, the whole of an individual inside and out in the life of the ones who would finally believe on him and accept him Follow him and believe and accept all of his claims. Not some of them. We learn of the significance of the foot washing of the disciples of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, we learn of the traitor Judas Iscariot's communication on this final day of preparation and the last chance to repent. And he blew it and he blew it for the Passover feast was just a day away 1159 Judas Iscariot, the last chance for Judas Iscariot and many others in the crowd listening, but not taking advantage of the opportunity to be saved by the Savior who was with them. Mm. Judas Iscariot's communication was a clear rejection and not a reception of his Lord. Doubt and unbelief was present and more appealing to him. Many others assembled in the crowd and not belief in the Lord. Symbol, but no belief in the Lord. Why were you there? What a powerful revelation and clear picture of a traitor, a betrayal, and his or her capability, what they can do, one person. Even after you love them, break bread with them, fellowship with them, commune with them, live with them, work with them, suffer for and with them because of them, and are willing to lay your life down for them. The hour finally come and Jesus Christ is ready to return to the father to be glorified, to be glorified and to be glorified with the glory he had with the father before he would come and save us. And so in the book of John chapter 13, verse one, uh, it says now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart, that means pass over from one place to another place to be glorified out of this world into 
unto the Father, having loved. Now, that word loved is interesting. It, it's talking about here not the typical love, brotherly love, but it's talking about a gate love, that love unconditionally, special kind of love. His own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. So much to, uh, you know, for this time period, from the beginning of Jesus' three and a half year ministry all the way to the end, the Bible said he loved them until the end. This, 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 this is so much of, of a time period here, the end of his life, talking about his physical life on earth, but the beginning of his spiritual life on earth, being Emmanuel interpreted God with us was just now beginning to take shape. As to his readiness to descend to the humblest service of their, uh, on their behalf. So they were getting ready to witness, man, not only the end of his earthly life, but the beginning of his spiritual life because he prayed to the Father, remember, that God would send his promise to them as he leaves. Amen. So he was going to continue to be with them throughout. This was a very humble moment for Jesus. Yes, but he's still teaching through his correspondent action what he had claimed and what he had said. That is, it is important that I die. Except a morsel we fall on the ground and die, it abides alone. And he said, I got to humble myself all the way to the point of death. I got to finish this by sunset tomorrow so that the price will be paid and you don't have to go forth with no shame and no guilt if you trust me, you know, mm. because the Father going to send you some help. Verse 2, he says, and supper, meaning the last one being served, laid out. Naturally, washing would precede the meal as customary and recorded, as it is recorded in the scripture. Being ended, the devil having now, okay, mean he had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Had already did it when he went into the meal, sat down. Three, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and was now went to God. In other words, Jesus makes this statement to reaffirm his divine origin, his divine authority, his soon coming glory are made so as to enhance the amazing condescension of the service to which he humbled himself when he first came to do the office of a bond slave. He was enslaved to this mission. He was enslaved to the will of the Father. And he said, my meat is always to do the will of him that sent me. Sound like a slave to me. And Jesus had no problem, no issue with that. Amen. Verse 4, he says, he rises from supper and laid aside his garment. One of those eight, nine things I talked about earlier to preface this. And took a towel and girded himself. He got all eyes fixed on him. <coughs> he know they're watching every detail, every move. This is customary. You hosting a supper. This is what you do for your guests. Mm. Man, Jesus is, I'm telling you, man, he is, he is spot on it. He not violating any of their custom, any of their laws, because he's ministering through correspondent action. He's already laid out the claim for three and a half years, started back in Capernaum, you know, going in the synagogues. Now he's closing out this chapter just like it started. Verse five, he says, you know, after he took his garment off, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. This is so important. Now, you got to understand the timing of this. The, the, the place had been prepared. The table had been set. They're not going to eat anything, okay, until Jesus finishes what was customary. 
You got to wash them feet. I believe they washed their hands, but I believe he washed their feet. Because washing the feet symbolizes, number one, humility. Number two, had a bigger picture, a bigger meaning or implication for the future was it was instituting a cleansing ministry before you do anything for God, any service. Okay? This is this is the bigger picture. And Jesus was using this 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 wisdom of, of a man, this custom they had, to confine these disciples all but one. He wasn't thinking about nothing that Jesus was doing, Judas wasn't. Because Satan had already entered in. And there are going to be those people today, tomorrow, every for the rest of our lives, you know, don't have they don't have to be called out because when you call out the spirit, when you call out and you let your corresponding action be such of Christ imitating him, oh, conviction will come. They will know. They will know that they're not walking in agreement. Light and darkness cannot walk together except they agree. They know that. That's why we have to remember what we're fighting against. Flesh and blood, we're not fighting against. But we're fighting against spiritual wickedness in high places, principalities, the rulers of the darkness of this age, the powers that be. This is why we have to put on the whole armor of God, that we don't be distracted, that don't, we don't become a castaway because we're so busy looking at that speck in somebody else's eye that I don't mess around and let a two-by-four come into mind. You know? And so we have to be so, so careful. And Jesus is our perfect example. Amen. You know, and so he's taking care of every detail. I love that about Jesus. He did not violate or leave room for acquisition against him at all, all the way to the end. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, do as thou wash my feet. Peter didn't want to have no part of it. Oh, fisherman, dirty feet. But Jesus said, man, it ain't up to you. Seven, verse seven, he said, Jesus answered and said unto him, what I do, thou knowest not now. But thou shalt know hereafter. He said, Peter, you only see the custom. You only see what y'all do as a custom. But you don't, you don't have no idea what I'm doing. I'm instituting here a cleansing, a spiritual cleansing that is to come. I'm, you know, I'm instituting something here, man, that's, that's, that's far more valuable to you going forward than what you've always done. I know y'all have always washed feet before you eat. Jesus said, but I'm using this as an opportunity to, to showcase spiritual cleansing because it's not what I'm physically doing, Peter. It's what's in my heart that's driving me to do it. It's love. It's humility. It's humbling myself under the hand of the Father that's going to exhort me when this is over. You know, I got to do this. I got to fulfill all of the law, every detail of it. I can't destroy it. I can't ignore it. Y'all already done accused me of blaspheming the law anyway. He said, but I still got to maintain my focus and finish this work that I came to do. Amen. So go ahead, Peter, you know, miss, miss the bigger picture if you want to, you know, dwell in the weeds if you want to. But you don't even have no idea what I'm doing. Amen. But he said, hereafter, you will know, Peter, because remember, Peter going to be one of the 120 going back up into the upper room, staying there in prayer until he be endued with power. So this was just the beginning. Because tomorrow at sunset, when you see him going up, whenever that is, and that angel tell you why you stand out here watching him after he three days later when he get out of that grave, the same way you see him ascending, you're going to see him descending. Descend. You know, so go on back into Jerusalem, go back up into that same room that you done ate, 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 ate that meal with him. Mm. 
and stay there and tarry and pray till you be endued with power. And then the spirit of truth going to come and bring it all back to your remembrance and teach you everything now hereafter. So mm-hmm. Jesus is setting them up for what is to come. Verse eight, Peter saith unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, thou have no part with me. Because, mm-hmm. Peter, you're not going to exclude the law. I'm not going to exclude the law. So we might as well fulfill it together and move forward. It ain't the law, Peter. It's the fulfillment of it. Okay? Because it has taught us everything it needs to teach us. Now God's spirit got to come and teach us. And I'm here physically teaching you right now. So it, 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 that, that part of your life has passed. So we ain't going to get hung up. That's not going to be a stumbling block. But I'm going to use that, Peter, to set up what is to come. And you're going to be a part of it. So I got to wash your feet to get all those things out of the way. Now he don't want them six months later talking about that joker left out of here, man. Didn't even wash our feet. Ate with us and didn't even wash our feet. They'll still be talking about it. Y'all know how people do. Uh, chapter nine, I mean, verse nine here in the chapter says, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So he getting, see, see now yeah, he want a bath now. See, he, but, but see, you know, he, he have to understand, see, this is more spiritual, symbolic of something spiritual cleansing than it is about the physical cleansing. As, Pete, as you can see, this is why he said hereafter, because, you know, he cannot discern spiritually what the Lord is talking about. Why? The Holy Ghost had not yet come. So he's going to need the Holy Ghost to be able to discern because the word of God is spiritually discerned, even though it's coming out of Jesus' mouth in the flesh. Powerful, man. Ten, verse 10, he says, Jesus saith unto him, he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is cleansed every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. See, right away he's signifying, remember, don't forget what I said, one of you is going to betray me. That's right. So Jesus is letting them know, I lost my focus. I'm still giving this boy a chance to get saved. You know, I'm, I'm still speaking to y'all, but I'm also speaking to him and anybody else out there that's hearing me because Jesus message, man, is, is, is universal. And, and here at the end, something that was so powerful that jumped out at me, Jesus still had to complete what he came to do, yes, seeking right. to save that which was lost, even though it was a part of his own group. His own, like his family, his own 12 apostles that ate with him, you know, that he loved them to the end. And he has not lost focus right now on the importance of at 1159, you can look on me and be saved. Come on. I don't want you to wait that that long, but I don't want you. I rather I rather speak to the situation now, the lack right now of, of repentance and salvation than for you to put it off for tomorrow because I won't be here. You know, so this show, this your last earthly chance. Mm. Jesus already knew what Peter was going to end up doing, taking that money. He knew he was going to hang himself and commit suicide. And he was trying to stop that from happening without really calling him out. Why? Because he set life and death before us and he called heaven and earth the witness against us that we read in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, so that we can choose life. Choose life. Jesus is life. He's the way. He's the truth. He's still speaking to him without calling his name. But he called out his issue. Thank you, Lord. Love that about him. You know, giving him that last chance. Amen. You know, 
Verse 11, he says, for he knew who should betray him. Ha, he knew it, man, all knowing God. Therefore, he said, ye are not all clean. Verse 12, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was sat down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you. He leave a question for them to ponder. They, they pondering now, except for Judah. Verse 13, ye call me master and Lord, and ye say well. For so I am. Okay, he's still hanging on to that claim. They're beginning now to, to understand. Verse 14, this is part of their transformation. Uh, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. In other words, what he's telling them, you don't have to break your own law. You don't have to violate your own law. You don't have to be a hypocrite. You know, so many people are like that. They're so good at telling people what to do, but they don't want to do it themselves. You know, I see that a lot of times in worship. You will see all these preachers sitting up on the platform and telling everybody else, y'all praise the Lord, y'all worship God. And they sitting up there girl watching, mm. you know. And so worship is supposed to be one body, one spirit, one voice crying out to God. We all are supposed to worship him in the beauty of holiness, worship him as one. And you can see these lines of division sometimes. It's like people think their job is to tell you what to do, and then they not do it. Mm-hmm. But do it because I told you to do it. And this is what the Lord is saying, you know. He, he, he's one of them, you know. He's letting them know we are one. Amen. We don't want to be divided against ourselves because a house divided against itself cannot stand. Amen. And so he wants to prune that bush and get rid of that bad branch, amen, before he leaves. But he want to give it a chance to be, become a part of the body. Amen. And uh, so Peter has a, I mean, Judas has a chance here, but it's up to him what he does with it. Amen. Verse 15, he says, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. My God, man. Woo. Can't add nothing to that. He is the example. Not me, not my pastor, not my bishop, not you, not any of us. Jesus is that example. And if he's in us, he's still that example. Because great is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We just got to yield to him. Amen. Verse 16, he says, verily, verily. In other words, surely, surely, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Talking about the Father. Jesus still giving the Father all the glory. Verse 17, and we're going to close here. If you, if you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. And so here it is, you know, final day with them, sunset is began, supper served, feet washed. And now Jesus is spending time trying to bring them around to understanding that there's a bigger picture here. Okay? Everything that I was sent to do has been fulfilled and every detail has been accomplished. I did not leave any stone unturned because I have to completely fulfill all of the law. If I violate any part of the law, it's no law at all. And so Jesus has got, he's working a lot of different angles here, and he's doing it not only in word, but in deed, so that they might believe that he is the son of God, and that through him, they might be saved. And so he's closing out his life, man, the way he started, coming to seek and to save that which was lost to the very end. And so as we close right here, Father, We thank you this morning, and we praise you this morning. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. Thank you for this word. Now, Lord, let it go out and do what you please. Accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. 
We believe, God, for those that are hearing this word, some for the first time, that they're making a decision right now. Even though it might be 1159 for them, someone right now, Lord God, might be fighting to hold on to life. <clears throat> Maybe a COVID person with tubes right now. Pray that someone's there praying with them. Pray that someone right now, God, that want to be healed, that are not saved, get saved so they can be healed. We're just praying right now, Lord, that people will begin to live their life today in light of this eternity, this reality, this truth, God. And so we thank you for it now. We praise you for it now. Let this word go forth. Lord God, and do what you please, the purpose you sent it. Let it not come back void, Lord, but let it bring fruit into the kingdom as we pray this morning in Jesus' name for the lost, the backslidden, and the prodigal sons and daughters that people are coming to the Lord right now from the north, the south, the east, and the west, highways, byways, and headways from every way, making their way to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except by him, except we be born again. We cannot see the kingdom of God. We must be born of the water and of the spirit. We must be born again. We must be born of the spirit. We must be born from above. Now that Jesus has ascended to the Father, Father, we thank you right now that he's our high priest interceding for us right now, still desiring that men will be saved, that they will repent of their sins and be saved, that none perish, but all will repent. That's our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.